Hey folks, it's Dr. Gersmar. I am here at the Ancestral Health Symposium in lovely Boulder, Colorado. I'm sitting out on the green grass and uh, underneath a lovely blue sky with some mountains in view. We're here at Boulder, uh, wait, actually, what is this, UC Boulder? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here with the lovely Tara Grant. <laughs> Hi, Tim. How Hello. Are you doing? Yeah. We've had some great conversations over the last couple of days, right? Yes, we have. Absolutely. So Tara and I first met at the first, the inaugural Ancestral Health Symposium back in 2011 and have kept touch ever since. So I very much wanted to have her come on and talk. She's had some really interesting experiences. A lot has happened to her, both good and bad, I would say, huh? Since, Absolutely. Since 2011. And I think uh, in multiple ways, we're going to first talk about her book and the work she's been doing. And she's actually been invited to go to Germany, is it? Austria. Austria. Vienna, okay. Austria. Vienna to actually talk. Um, and we'll get into that in just a second. And then she's also had some really profound experiences, um, you know, healing her own PTSD. And we want to talk about that because anxiety disorders and things like PTSD are, are such a big deal now. And conventional medicine has so little to offer and I know you've been through that experience of tranquilizers and antidepressants is really the only real options that are given to people the only option that was given to me or three weeks in a psychiatric institution sure yeah. sure so tell us about your book all right my book so it was released uh, primal blueprint publishing uh, published it back in December of 2013 mm -hmm. and um, it's been it's been pretty big success. I'm really happy with it. It has helped a lot of people, Fantastic. and it's starting to get um, get noticed by doctors cool. uh, that work in the hydronitis supportiva uh, community. So tell people that's not a term a lot of people have heard about before. So what what exactly is that? Okay, so I'm going to call it HS okay. from this point on. Yes. Um, and you may not have heard of it, but I guarantee you, you know at least five people with it. Mm. Um, we don't often talk about it. It's an inflammatory skin condition. Okay. Um, and it comes and goes uh, seemingly, seemingly with no, no rhyme or reason, mm -hmm. uh, manifesting as boils, deep-seated lumps and bumps underneath your skin, um, ingrown hairs, acne, uh, sometimes it's referred to as adult acne, uh, and it's usually in inverse areas of your body. So where skin touches skin, your armpits, underneath your breasts, your groin, your buttocks. Okay. Um, extremely okay. painful places to have sure. something like that. Sure, sure. Okay. And conventionally, what, what do they do for this? Um, they prescribe antibiotics. Okay. They shame you. Okay. They, they tell you that you're not keeping clean enough. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they remove your lymph nodes uh, to uh, so you don't sweat anymore. Mm. Uh, there's all kind of cr kinds of crazy theories. Uh, they're all based on the germ theory that it's caused by germs. Okay. Um, which is absolutely untrue. Okay. And so, uh, so obviously you had the personal experience of having this and trying to yes. find some solution that would help. Yes. Um, so it started in me when I was about 13 years old mm -hmm. and um, I went and saw a couple of doctors. Uh, I wasn't sexually active, so mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't an STD, mm -hmm. um, but I was still concerned that they just told me it was adult acne. It was totally normal. Um, there was nothing that they could do to help me. Maybe I could try, um, 
birth control pills, mm -hmm. which I did for a while. Mm -hmm. That didn't make any difference. Um, and then I saw a couple more doctors throughout the years, uh, and they said, well, we can try antibiotics. Uh, it, it took about 20 years for me to find the name of the condition and to take it to a doctor who didn't know how to pronounce it. Right. I don't, you know, to this day, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I've never heard anybody else pronounce it ever. Right, right, right. Well, I've always heard it. That I've even heard about it is hydronitis suppurativa. Okay, so, sure. So <laughs> as far as I can break that down, right, su su to separate is to um, like fill up with pus, basically. Right, and right. that's what happens with, with these boils. Mm -hmm. they, um, they will leak and ooze for sometimes for months mm. on end. Now, mm. I was really lucky. I had a really mild case of it. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I was what they call stage one. Okay. Um, and it's not like cancer, like right. you progress through the stages, prepare to die. Right, right, right. right. It's just, just a different way of, of diagnosing how bad it is. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I actually talked to Lauren Cordain. Um, he's done a bit of research on it. He was the first person to mention to me that it might be autoimmune. Okay. Um, because I did, I, I went into remission when I went paleo. Every so often I would flare up. Okay. I didn't know why. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the, the biohacker scientist in me is like, let's figure this out. Sure. Um, Lauren Cordain thinks that um, what is referred to as stage three mm -hmm. is actually a separate disease. It's, mm. it's still autoimmune sure. in nature, sure. uh, but that it attacks your sweat glands, whereas stage one and two affect the hair follicles. Oh. So there's, yeah, there's, hmm. there's uh, incredible inflammation, incredible pain, so much misinformation out there. Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as I figured out, okay, dude, this is autoimmune. Yeah. It's not bacterial, right, right? right? This is autoimmune. I'm able to put it into remission. Mm -hmm. And I, I was in remission for over a year. And, um, and then I would test out my theories and, you know, I would eat a uh, white potato and I would flare up. Um, I noticed my inflammation was much lower than it had been in the past. So the, mm -hmm. the lesions would, would clear up within 24 hours. Uh, they wouldn't even come to a head. Hmm. Um, so I did a couple of blog posts and the response internationally, hmm. it, to this day now, the posts are like four years old. Yeah four or five years old even yeah and there's still I'm getting 200 hits a day from you know from Pakistan from Norway from the Philippines Wow um, that there's just there's no resources out right. there people don't know what to do right right that's fantastic yeah so um, so and that turned into a book Yes. yes. And and what, pray tell, is the title of, of your book? It's called The Hidden Plague. Okay. Um, it's a field guide for surviving and overcoming hydrodenitis supportiva. Sure. And um, I called it The Hidden Plague because it's kind of sensational. If you look at the cover, it's like a black cover with yeah. a person holding their, their hands over their face in shame. I'm like, yeah, bestseller, <laughs> let's go, right? Um, but no, it's people don't talk about it. That's yeah. why at the beginning I said, you probably know at least five people with this. Mm -hmm. um, and they either don't know what it is, they don't think it's a problem, they don't see their doctor until it becomes a painful issue or they can't work or, or anything. Um, and yeah, I'm, I was the first and only person I, I knew to kind of come out of the closet. Okay. It was a big deal to do posts and to write a book about that. It's a super unsexy topic. Sure, sure. Right? But you're, the, the response clearly tells you that it's a, a desperately unmet need that yes. the people are suffering out there. Yes. And hopefully, you know, anyone who's... So for anyone who's listening, 
what you know if they're thinking could I have this so what 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 would make them think that this might be an issue for them well, if they have any of these symptoms that um, I, I described, the boils, the uh, cystic acne, um, okay. it can appear anywhere on your body where there's a hair follicle. Okay. Um, and if you've got a really bad case, you know. Okay. And you've been to your doctor and you've been diagnosed already. Okay. But if you have what you might think is like adult acne on your bum or, um, you know, the occasional boil that might, might show up in your groin, mm -hmm. it comes, it goes, mm -hmm. um, it, it very likely is is HS. Okay. Okay. You know, it's so interesting to think about this autoimmune piece too, because we're, we're, we're kind of coming to see there's the classic autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and multiple sclerosis and of course right. many others as well. But data is coming out now to suggest that so many more problems, so many more sicknesses, so many more diseases at least have a component of autoimmunity in them. Yes. Um, one that you know startled me is irritable bowel syndrome, which is considered to be um, you know, there, there's really nothing wrong, right? right. Yet uh, there's a new test out uh, that 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 can essentially diagnose IBS by finding antibodies against some of your own tissue and your digestive tract. So even something like IBS, which is considered conventionally to have n absolutely no connection with autoimmunity, now there's intriguing, you know, tidbits that it actually, there's autoimmunity as part of it as well. And so... I came across yeah. a fantastic uh, list on the internet, which yeah. I have um, referenced in my book. Mm -hmm. They listed over 200 conditions mm -hmm. that they figured had an autoimmune component. One of them was restless leg syndrome. Um, another was endometriosis, mm -hmm. um, acne, you know, yeah. which which kind of ties in sure. uh, to the HS as well. Sure. Um, it's it's just phenomenal. The thing is, is it doesn't really matter what you suffer from, if you if you treat it like it's an autoimmune condition, you apply an autoimmune paleo protocol mm -hmm. with some own your some of your own personal tweaks in there. Mm -hmm. Chances are you can put it into remission. Right. And if you fall off the bandwagon and and it starts to come back, then you've kind of you know like there isn't a cure. You can definitely manage it, but right. yes, that's that's the hallmark of autoimmune conditions: right. remission, relapse, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, like we tell people all the time, why not try making changes to your diet and your lifestyle? And, and you know, the, the side effect is you get healthier in the process of doing that. Um, you know, and worst case scenario, you find out that, that it doesn't significantly help the issue that you're dealing with. Well, Okay, but it's not like having the same side effects as, you know, some of the immune suppressive drugs or some of the yes. other more, you know, aggressive therapies, um, you know, and yes, it costs money to change your diet and, and make these changes. So we're not saying it doesn't, but, you know, again, some of these medications are incredibly expensive and, and they have side effects as well. And so why not start <laughs> with the foundation of, of 
changing your diet and making changes to your lifestyle and handling some of these issues and right you know, and like you said you know even if it doesn't completely make that issue go away there are going to be side benefits right. a lot of my readers are writing to me saying you know i've lost 70 pounds nice. i have not been able to to ever lose weight and mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm down 70 pounds and my polycystic ovarian syndrome is gone and now i'm i'm ovulating i'm able to get pregnant oh wonderful and it's like you just your entire life is revolutionized nice nice so uh, you know what what type of story is you know have you heard then from so you, you put this together in a book you got it out there a few years ago and like you said a lot of people all around the world so uh, lots of success stories lots of people finding benefit from the same approach that helped you Yes, um, I'm finding the people that are are having the most success are the ones that are that are overweight and mm-hmm. have HS. Okay. there's definitely an insulin uh, factor Com- in component. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're losing a lot of weight and they're going into remission and. Um, they have the information I didn't have, mm-hmm. you know, which I lost a lot of weight, but occasionally I would still flare up. And sure. now they know, okay, I have to look out for my own individual triggers. Sure. Um, there's, uh, yeah, the success stories from all over the world. Um, as it, just like with restaurant reviews, though, people oh, tend to, it's always the negative ones that course. get posted. Of course. And I, I don't really get any negative stories or comments. I have not oh. had a single person mm-hmm. reach out and say, your book was junk, I didn't learn anything, um, and this didn't work. Mm. But what I have gotten, I've gotten uh, um, uh, some religious people that are upset that I have uh, used a quote from the Bible in there. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then other people that, there are actual like Facebook groups out there mm-hmm. just slamming me oh. in the book. Hmm. Um, a lot of people are tied to their disease identity. Sure. Um, they've been suffering for, for decades. Um, and uh, here I am, who am I? I'm not a doctor. Right. And I'm telling them, you have the power to heal yourself <laughs> and they're like who is this woman and they're right. they're actually they i my book is banned in discussion in like tons of facebook groups wow. on hs wow anybody that even mentions it is immediately booted and blocked Jeez. and then there's like a two-week discussion on like i don't exist i never had hs okay. um and and uh, how horrible my book is when they haven't even read it right they've started campaigns to do Amazon reviews um, and which yeah so what I what I've done actually I had one person who has a blog on HS and he was just railing against me Uh so I reached out to him Mm -hmm. and I I introduced myself and I sent a picture and I I commiserated on his pain and um, I gave him a little suggestion, you know, try this and and we ended up being pen pals. <laughs> and he completely changed his perspective. Um, he never he read the book. Mm-hmm. He didn't quite apply the protocol. Mm. It, it's it, it's pretty in depth, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of lifestyle changes. Yeah. Um, but He's done a couple of blog posts now saying that, hey, this is a, she's a real person. <laughs> um, I absolutely believe that she had this condition um, and she can help you. And here's a link to the book. And so I've, I'm trying to kill him with kindness, <laughs> you know, sure, like sure. that's because really that's all I want to do is I, all I want to do is help people. That's yeah. why I wrote the book. Yeah. Not to make money, 
not to become a big celebrity like dude i'm the boil girl like <laughs> you know <laughs> yes right right i just i want to help because i know how painful it is yeah. i know the the heartbreak the self esteem issues it causes um, especially young young people young girls that are experiencing this as they're going through puberty puberty is hard enough you know and then um, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. Well, I want to applaud you, seriously. I mean, putting... I, I know it's something that, that has... That, that I've thought about, too, is you sort of become a more public figure and you put things out there. You know, what you realize is the people who leave comments are basically your five-star people. Like, they love it. They think you walk on water and it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And the one-star people who think you are you know, the devil incarnate and um, a complete and utter fraud. And, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and you know, the three-star people, the people who are like, yeah, this is good. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was valuable. Yeah. You never hear from them, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, many famous people have basically said, look, if you put something out there and you don't get hate mail, uh, then you're not doing it right. 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 You right. know, and I know you, you know, sometimes when you go to like write a blog post or you think about it, you find yourself like, at least I do, maybe you don't tempering it a little bit like, Ooh, I bet this will get a criticism. So maybe I should tone it down a little. And it, it's, you know, I think we all go through a process of trying to find our own voice and speak our own truth. And, you know, in this age of clickbait and like oh make it extra sensational to try and attract attention I know that doesn't really interest me but also you want to speak your truth and not worry about what other people say and I know it can be very difficult so I applaud you thank you uh, for for you know putting a more you know personal and taboo subject out there that you know has been swept under the rug but but people suffer with mm -hmm. you know um, we're going to kind of get into the the disease as an identity uh, a little bit later in this conversation so we'll save that piece for the moment but um, you know I highly encourage anyone if, if you know anybody with HS or you think uh, you know someone has HS or you have HS like reach out and grab the book you know it, it's a great book um, it's helped a lot of people and like I said changing your diet changing your lifestyle yes it's difficult right we, we all are in our patterns and it's hard to change but you know what we always say is give it a try for a little while and see what happens because what's your alternative in this case right you know exactly. uh, suffering right and, and you know I'm for one that that like we shouldn't suffer more than more than we can help it you know yes. what I mean yeah. uh, so I so um, I will say it again later but if someone's interested in the book Tara where can they where could they go to grab it um, well it's called the hidden plague uh, my name is Tara Grant you can mm -hmm. find it on Amazon Barnes & Noble Primal Blueprint Publishing, uh, uh -huh. but if you want to visit my website, primalgirl.com, uh -huh. I have my original blog post still up um, and links to the book and various posts on HS so you can find out some more information. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely put the links in uh, for this podcast as well. But again, um, get the book or at least go visit our website and check out the information. Um, I think that's awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. So we're going to change gears here a little bit because that was 2013 and you've had a lot of stuff go on since then, huh? Yes. Yes, I have. So quite a story. Tara was telling us her story the other day uh, and uh, someone joked like that's a, you know, if you made it into a book or a movie, people would say that 
those don't that thing does that type of stuff doesn't really happen right right yeah it would make an incredible movie so if anyone's interested in writing a screenplay <laughs> i'm available yes um <laughs> so yeah shortly after the book was released um i had moved to phoenix i wasn't doing well um and i decided to change my life i wanted to minimize uh, everything, uh, live, you know, minimal lifestyle, and get back to a community-based environment, and um, soak in hot springs, and live in the sunshine, and skip naked through the woods. I, you know, right? I just right. I wanted to get back to nature, uh, so I decided to uh, move to Middletown, California, uh, to become a resident at Harbin Hot Springs, okay. which is one of my favorite places in the world. And um, so, what, what what was that? What was what like? was the community there? What what was it like? Oh, phenomenal! Okay, phenomenal. It was like a family. Mm-hmm. Um, very open. Um, working for Harbin was what an incredible experience. I did like six different jobs while I was there just mm-hmm. because I wanted to do everything I could. Mm-hmm. And every manager that I had was super understanding mm-hmm. and patient. And it wasn't about getting the work done. It wasn't about the bottom line. It was about the guest's experience. Mm -hmm. And part of their experience was getting to know the residents. Um, And so part of our job was to just hang out and be groovy and and talk to people. And uh, yeah, like, oh, it was was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it Mm -hmm. was amazing. So did you find, was that that sense of community and that different lifestyle that you were looking for? Yes, absolutely. The sense of community, like it was, it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was about 150 residents and then about 300, what they call local hires that from the, the community the outside yeah. uh, that would, would come in and work. And um, some of them had been there for, for 30 years, mm-hmm. um, 30, 40 years. Uh, Others, others were new. A lot people in transition a lot. Yeah. Um, I spoke to quite a few people. Um, I mean, we had an NFL player there <laughs> as a resident. Cool. Um, doctors and lawyers that had just, you know, now I want to practice natural medicine. I'm mm. going to go and do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, massage therapists and energy workers and um, just all different walks of life, all different nationalities, and we had one thing in common, and that was a love for the land and mm. a love of the water. Mm. Um, there's three different springs that converge there, a mm. hot spring, a cold spring, and a sulfur spring. Mm. And um, it's an incredibly powerfully energetic place. It's hard to explain. Sure. I'm sure that everyone that's listening has been to a place like that before where you just feel drawn on mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and so we were just there living life awesome. and getting to soak every day I've never been so healthy in my life mm. um, pretty much everyone ate a paleo diet okay. they didn't call it paleo sure but it was whole real organic food um, and uh, soaking in this the mineral water um, I didn't have I stopped taking any uh, any supplement mm-hmm. i wasn't taking a single thing because i was getting magnesium through my skin right you know um 
and uh, and then in inflammation, doing uh, hot colds uh, with the temperature changes and the cold thermogenesis, like getting in the ice pool or going in the sauna, the steam room. Right. It was incredibly therapeutic. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, you know, you, you hear back in the day, back in the, you know, the turn of the 19th century, a lot of the nature cure clinics, you would actually, they were called sanitariums. And, and people, when they hear that word, they think of like mental institutions right. where you lock people up and everything. And, and they weren't. Sanitary or sanitarium comes from the Latin about, you know, for health and everything. And they would be retreats and they were, you know, outside of New York City or, or in Europe or these various places. And people would they would get ill and part of their their treatment was the doctor would send them off they'd get on the train and they would ship out to the country and they would go to uh, either you know again like hot springs were mm -hmm. were very most of the hot springs all had sanitariums all there that's what harbin used to be right. back in the, the 1800s right yeah, yeah there were stage coaches that would go through the the mountains and uh some of the original buildings were still there as well oh awesome yeah 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 and people would go and it would just be, you know, they'd be put on simple diets and yes. water treatments and, um, you know, gentle exercise and um, their stimulation would be cut down. Like it would be very much like, right. you know, uh, they didn't have TV and iPads then. But nonetheless, um, it's funny, right? You look at what a lot of uh, people, someone was reading me uh, a quote from Woodrow Wilson, who was the president uh, during World War One, and he was talking about people were having a hard time paying attention and focusing because there was too much stimulation coming into them. And this is in the era before radio, before TV, before the internet, before all of these things. Um, and you know, it, it's you hear these same kind of themes echoed down through the days. And um, you know, when I read, it's no wonder <laughs> so many of us are having a hard time now. For me, it was just right. absolute information stimulation overload. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and uh, getting out into nature and, you know, I'm even sitting here with my feet in the grass and everything and getting some sunshine and looking at the sky and just mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, there's a great book out there for people if they're interested. And I, I may butcher the title a little bit, but I think and I'll put it in the notes. It's I think it's called The Power of Full Engagement. And he talks a lot about the power of now the, by uh, Eckhart Tolle. Well, that's another one. Yeah, yes, okay. that's a good one. Um, in the in the powerful engagement he talks about how we've sort of based uh, our model of living on a machine model where it's the idea of life is a marathon and you just kind of the the goal is to just keep chugging along through the years uh you know advancing towards your goal and he was saying that that's not respectful of natural systems or the human body that in reality uh, we're not marathoners like that or like a machine is where you can just turn it on and it'll run for, you know, however long. That we're really sprinters, that we can do a concentrated burst of activity and then we need a concentrated period of downtime to recharge before doing another sprint, essentially. And he talks a lot in that book about, you know, if you want to be busy and active at work, then as your active time, you then need to correspondingly plan recovery time, ability to, you know, downtime and time away. And I, a big lesson I've taken from that book is reading more fiction. 
for one thing. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I'm so geeked out on all this natural medicine and, and, and science and medicine and, and the, the body and all these systems that for years I basically ha hadn't read a fiction book. Like you would always sit down, what can I learn from this? Right. Not what can I enjoy, yes. you know? And, uh, and just in the past month, I've, I've uh, you know, gotten through a couple of fiction books and honestly, it's awesome. You know, there's still a place for all of that study and I'll never put that down, but understanding that, you know, human beings need time, downtime and mm -hmm. it's not uh, this Puritan ethic that we have that, uh, you know, idle hands or uh, whatever it is, you know, idle hands are evil hands basically and you've got to stay busy or, uh, or you'll do bad things or, you know, you'll waste your time. We see a lot of this um, FOMO, fear of missing out, yes. you know, um, and for a lot of people this sort of message of disconnect and slow down and, uh, you know, live a, a, a more focused intentional life and do less stuff can feel like there's so much to do there's so much to see I'm gonna miss out I'm gonna waste my life yes right one of my favorite quotes is by a philosopher and guru named Osho okay and mm -hmm. it says life does not have a purpose mm. there is nothing to do or be or become you are here and that is enough a beautiful quote yeah yeah but uh, part of that that taking a break and downtime it's uh, next to impossible in in our modern you know in our current culture right because of our electronics right we are constantly tethered so what what took me to Harbin in the first place was a chance to have a digital detox mm. because they're they had a movie theater okay there so <laughs> you could go and watch a movie and it was always something really awesome and spiritual and whatever right um, nothing violent you know sure because um, we are what we watch yes. you know our, yes. our brains see that stuff and that is our reality uh, but there was no cell phone signal mm. was, you can only get like one bar in the lower parking lot and so um, people would go for what you call digital detox mm -hmm. and um, I learned that it takes a full three days to to detox digitally to where you stop hearing that phantom text tone you stop that what time right. is it like right. you know you yeah. wherever you keep your phone you know right all of a sudden you're wearing a watch or who cares what time it is right let's look at where the sun is in the sky yeah or I feel hungry it must be dinner time right you know so three three full days for that absolutely um, it, I mean it's a huge thing right uh, I and I know we I have to fight against it because I could easily roll over the first thing I wake up, grab my cell phone and, you know, plunge away into yeah. the stream of information. Um, and, and what we, it is exciting and our brains like it. But um, ultimately what all of this or what I take from your story is really being more intentional about the process of living because, yes. you know, we live until we don't regardless. Um, and if you don't sort of, have a plan for how you're going to live then your then events will sweep you up and you'll just be re, you'll be reacting to whatever is going on which is how so many people are are just living their lives right because we can't control what happens right you know um but if we're we're living intentionally and with with an integrity for ourselves then it doesn't really matter what happens um 
you can you can roll with it. Right. But it's also, you know, thinking about what's important for you. So I know part of your journey has been has been finding that again the material possessions and things have are much much less important to you than we're all kind of enculturated to think about. And I mean, this is a common theme. Uh, most of us spend so much of our lives accumulating stuff. And then we look at the people who've accumulated the most stuff. And by and large, they turn around and say, hey, having all sorts of stuff, actually, it isn't what I thought it would be. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make us make us happy. We try right. and fill a hole. Right. Or we're told you need something or we get the latest gadget. Right. And you, you know, you're excited about it for like a minute and then it just becomes part of your junk that you got to pay. For. Now you got to pay for a storage unit. Right. And um, when I first moved to Harbin, I took... I hardly took anything. I took what I thought was, you know, the most important stuff. Mm -hmm. I still wasn't quite there because I ended up getting a two-bedroom apartment, mm -hmm. and um, the right from the get-go, I needed a storage unit. Mm. You know, um, I did not need sixty-five mason jars. <laughs> right. 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 And uh, uh, so it became pretty apparent. I didn't know how to get rid of the stuff because something was telling me well you need those mason jars in case you want to do canning right well, yes because I, occasionally I do that right okay <laughs> mm -hmm. right so um, about you know I, I, I was looking around the apartment and I was um, even though I'd wanted to downsize I was now looking for something bigger mm. I just needed just a little more space mm -hmm. for my stuff mm -hmm. right? and uh, I looked around and I said man I wish I could get rid of all this stuff and just start over. And I have heard that from so many people. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you do that? Yeah. And so, well, fortunately, unfortunately, however you look at it, about a month after I said that, I put that out there into the universe, and the universe said, your wish is our command. And a massive wildfire blew through the town and destroyed everything mm. within a matter of hours and um and there you had it i was living minimally <laughs> right right so literally your apartment burned uh, not only yep. your apartment but but your apartment burned down all the stuff in your apartment yep. so you had literally the clothes on your back right yes and one of the best lessons that i learned was um take a look at what you're wearing right now mm-hmm is it, uh, if that was the only outfit you had left, would you be happy with it? Hmm. If the answer is no, mm -hmm. go and change. Why are you wearing sweatpants and a tank top that you sometimes wear to bed out to dinner? Why? Mm -hmm. The clothes, we've all got those clothes in our closet that we love, that we know that looks good on us, and we hardly ever wear them. We wear the, we don't want to wear them out, I guess. I don't know I, right, what right. it is. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, yeah. seriously, it could all be gone tomorrow. Right. And so what happened was I made, I made a lot of my own clothes and I had all these beautiful pinup dresses mm. and just, and I was wearing a dress that mm. I made myself. But mm -hmm. It was my least favorite one because I was going to the hospital with my son whose appendix had ruptured that morning. Mm. And so it was a lovely, lovely day. I was wearing um, $4 flip-flops um, and my least favorite dress that I had made. Mm -hmm. And that was all I had. Yeah, yeah. 
I, you know, I, not in a clothing example, but one that came to me. So my mother left me uh, when she passed. She left me a set of fine um, silverware, for, forks and knives and things like that. And I realized for a while it just sat in a drawer and it was one of those things that came out you know, at Christmas and Thanksgiving and maybe once or twice otherwise, but it was, you know, pristine and in the box. And I eventually it sort of dawned on me, like, this is ridiculous. Um, what's the worst thing that happens? Yeah, you wear it out. But you get to thinking, like, you know, isn't it, isn't that great in a way? Like, you use it, it this isn't something I necessarily want, you know, five generations from now. It's like, it's, use it. You know yes. what I mean? Like, uh, so you wear out your clothes. Well, you know, unless, you know, most of us thankfully are in a situation where you can get some new clothes. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, or, or uh, you know, but, but use the stuff. Hoarding it for a future date and never using it. And um, I don't know. I don't think it's the point. Yeah. You know? It was a really hard lesson to learn. For um, sure. But I'm, I'm incredibly grateful yeah. for it. My, yeah. my life is different. I'm I'm different. I'm a different person now. Every day, although it may not appear, but these what I'm wearing right now is very important to me. Right. You know, and but it's it's what you want to wear. Yes. Right? Yes. So, and that's what's important, not we're not saying, you know, you have to dress up in your fancy clothes all the time, but be be wearing the things that you want to be wearing um when you want to wear them. Yeah. Right? So what has so um your son was okay? Yes, um, he had to uh, he had to have emergency surgery. They couldn't do it at that hospital, so we had to go to another hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the you know the story. You were I don't know that I want to get into okay, that now. No, no Let's worries, just say no worries. It was horrific, and um, you can buy a movie ticket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he uh, he was in the hospital for about a week. Okay. Um, and mm -hmm. he's all recovered up now. Good. Yeah, everything good. everything's good. Glad to hear that. So, we find you, you know, with literally the dress on your back and a pair of cheap flip-flops. Your your son is okay. What happened after that? Oh. Where did where did your journey take you? And what what Um, there was a few months of not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't prepared for anything like that and mm -hmm. um, I got taken advantage of um, somebody set up a GoFundMe account for me uh, oh, I, saw, I that, remember that happening yeah, that was horrible Tried to steal the money and everything um, so if you donated to my GoFundMe account I have no idea uh, I never got a list of names so thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> mm -hmm. it was uh, immediately deleted I did end up getting the money though oh I'm glad um, I I'm dealt glad. with FEMA Red Cross, the Small Business Administration, the Salvation Army, the St. Vincent's, uh, all of these organizations that, that came in that said that they wanted to help. Mm -hmm. uh, it was paperwork and paperwork and paperwork. And mm -hmm. while I was going through that, um, I was extremely dehydrated. Getting water was a, was really difficult. Huh. People were donating things like nail polish and jewelry and bathing suits. I got a couple bikinis and... Uh, high heels, but nobody brought us water. Wow, that's weird. You know, yeah, it, it is. But th like, they think, well, the it, people that donated money, you should be able to go buy water yourself. Sure. Well, in such a state of shock, I couldn't even go out and order food. Right. So, um, it it took a little while to recoup. I reached out to uh, Joe Salama and 
Katie Haldeman. Mm -hmm. um, she's a, a naturopath as okay. well. I'm not okay. sure exactly what she does, but okay. uh, she recommended some supplements to me because um, I was not a, prepared for the extreme mental shock, mm. right? So okay. I've, definitely PTSD, like okay. dude, on a community wide, wide level, it was insane. Sure. Um, and then I'm dehydrated and I don't think I ate, I ate my first full meal about three weeks after the fire. Oh, geez. Um, and I couldn't remember what vitamin D was. And so the, I, I was very interested in my reactions. I wrote a lot of this stuff down. It was fascinating to me mm -hmm. under the, you know, extreme mental trauma and shock, how our brain shuts down. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't, I knew I had been taking some stuff, but what was it called? And so I asked her for a list of, of supplements and, and herbs that could help. And yeah. she, one of the top, on the top of the list was vitamin D. And I'm like, oh, whoa, dude. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so um, it took it took a while to kind of get back. But the the herbs um, that she recommended, there was a rhodiola uh -huh. in there and uh -huh. phosphaline something. You know what? I actually have it on my blog. So what I've done now um, is I've uh, I've created some tips for people like for real world survival. Yeah. Um, and a good thing to do is to make an Amazon wish list of basic supplies that huh. you might need yeah um and you can have them at home you can have a bug out bag you can you know do all of that stuff but in the off chance that you can't get back to your house to get that bag uh-huh um then what do you do well you go on amazon or you say to your family and friends go to my wish list order this stuff to the whatever address i'm now at it'll right. be there the next day and you've got all of your basic supplies huh. and so i've also done a list of all those supplements that were right. really really helpful, helpful as well nice yeah. nice that's a great idea i never thought about that yeah. before but yeah absolutely so you're doing a new series mm -hmm. on your blog yes uh, so same uh, primalgirl.com yes they can go and people can go and check that out so a lot of let, let's kind of move into the PTSD and kind of the, the next piece of your story so really kind of suffering on a mental emotional level from this whole experience and everything that was going on for you yeah it was you know I, I was had been going through a divorce okay um, mm -hmm. I had to evacuate my children uh, down south um, I'd lost my home, every single thing that I owned, um, my job, my community, mm. my church, my sanctuary. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I'm not really from anywhere. I've moved around so much that I didn't have a home to go back to mm -hmm. and I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm. So it was just a catastrophic event. I'm so proud of myself. You should how be. How I've picked myself up you, from that. You should be. Um, I'm super proud. Um, but so after, you know, a few months ago, well, I, I don't even have the desire to look for a job. Um, I, I don't know where to go. I'm having problems making decisions. Uh, and everyone was telling me, well, you need to go see a therapist mm -hmm. for PTSD. And that mm -hmm. didn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen therapists in the past and it just it, it just doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm happy for people that it does work for. But um, 
And so I started researching uh, and I just, I felt like I couldn't even take care of myself. Mm -hmm, um, I started mm -hmm. looking at um, retreat centers for PTSD and found that, you know, it's $45,000 a month. Um, your in medical insurance does not cover it. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that my medical insurance would cover was three weeks in an, uh, an open uh, psychiatric hospital um, where medication was mandatory. Sure, sure. And, um, I were, just were you on medication at this point? I know no. I know you had said at some point you were you, you had been taking some Valium and oh, doing that some... was that was a few years ago. Oh okay. Oh yeah. Okay. No, I okay. haven't had a single pharmaceutical medication since since the fire. Okay. Um, okay. And probably for about a good two years before. Oh, okay. The fire. Okay. So I misunderstood yeah. where in your time in the timeline that was going on. So yeah. okay. Well, I've always okay. had I've always had a little bit of anxiety mm -hmm. um, and then um, and depression as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which really, it wasn't like a clinical depression. Sure. Um, but in the past, I it was more situational, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm 200 pounds overweight. I'm married to, you know, my first husband was not a great guy. Uh, I'm a, in a miserable job. I'm living in a foreign country by mm -hmm. myself, mm -hmm. you know. It changed those things, and lo and behold, the depression went away. Right. You know, uh, it was that kind of thing. But uh, when you go to the doctors, they just give you sure. Prozac sure yeah so luckily once I when I went paleo I, I really stopped going to the doctor sure um, and and just as an alternative doctor I want to say it's not a good thing to not go to the doctor <laughs> Sorry, uh, no, 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 no 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 hey listen this is your story and and it's truthful it happens to a lot of people they because the people who make a lot of these changes they get more intentional about their life uh, they change the way they eat they're going against the mainstream what everyone else is doing they go to the doctor and they get unhelpful advice uh, that doesn't resonate with them or with the things they're doing and it's like well why should I bother going and I agree with that however as a doctor here I'm obliged to say you know having it, it, it you shouldn't uh, just check out uh, because, you know, there is value in having a good doctor on your side. The trick is finding and building that relationship and having a good doctor on your side. So not to, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I understand. I understand. It's a common story. A lot of people are just like, you know, when was the last time you saw a doctor? And they're like, five years ago, 10 years ago, maybe. Um, and so please, everyone out there, find, find a doctor who resonates with you who understands you who who takes some time and and you know that there's some caring in that relationship between you who respects the choices and the things that you're trying to do but also stands up for your health and your well-being as well and you know somebody that's going to look at you as a whole and not just treat each individual symptom right yeah you know, it's like putting a band-aid on an arterial wound right you know? like, yeah well, you know, it's like the antidepressant when what you really need is a divorce and a different job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, <laughs> and some you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's a lot harder to, I understand, that's a lot harder to accomplish than writing out a quick script for Prozac or Paxil or something and handing it to you, yeah, you know. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, but, but doesn't fix the situation. Okay, so sorry not to, uh, uh, to cut into your story. So um, you had looked 
for some treatment options and you'd found that, um, you know, the PTSD centers were, you know, prohibitively expensive and insurance was really only looking, uh, the, the only option that you were really faced with was, uh, you know, essentially a mental institution right. uh, with all of these drugs right. uh, as possibilities. Yeah, and I knew I wanted it like a healing retreat area with a lot of meditation because mm -hmm. um, meditation was pretty much what what got me through mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah forty five thousand dollars a month it just wasn't doable while I was doing my research I came across a clinic in Baja California that mm -hmm. was using ayahuasca mm -hmm. um, to treat PTSD and things like heroin addiction mm -hmm. it had a great success rate um, and it, it was uh, it was at least thirty thousand dollars a month as well and so I thought I, I had been introduced to the idea uh, and I knew what ayahuasca was uh, from the Harbin community mm. um, and uh, for them it wasn't uh, something you would use to get over PTSD it was uh, for your own spiritual journey right and so since I had been meditating and, and and stuff I felt like I was I wanted to be on a spiritual path and so I I chose to uh, do ayahuasca so for anybody who doesn't, who might not know, um, that term is popping up more and more now. We're hearing about it a lot more. So ayahuasca is a uh, usually a combination of several herbs. Uh, they have their home base in the Amazon, uh, a rich history going back who knows how long, but probably at least thousands of years, um, and paired with shamanism where um, people... Uh, you know, ceremonially uh, imbibe uh, this tea made from these several herbs that's called ayahuasca. And uh, it, it has uh, many different terms, but uh, would be considered a psychedelic, uh, somewhat along the lines of LSD or uh, uh, psilocybin from uh, mushrooms or, or um, any number of these other extremely traditional, I mean, almost every culture worldwide has some history with the, these different varieties. And, uh, you know, many people, when they hear about these things, they, they, they just think about, you know, people having crazy trips or maybe Hunter S. Thompson from the movie, like just kind of going crazy. I was always told in high school that it would, these things would literally melt your brain and then you would go insane and, and, die basically right um but we're seeing an absolute renaissance um in these medicines that that like uh, so many other things that this conception of them is is basically like completely wrong and yes. um and, and you said one word that i want to touch on you called it a medicine and that's mm -hmm. exactly what it is mm -hmm. uh trying to convince my parents that it was a good idea they kept using the word drugs you want to go off to peru and do drugs mm -hmm. no i am going to take medicine that will help me um, and these these medicines, when they're they're prepared tr traditionally, they're used in ceremony and ritual. They are treated with the utmost respect. Mm -hmm. These are not things that you would do recreationally. Right, right. And so, I mean, I think that's where things like LSD, for example, have been and do, and for some people, are used as a recreational yeah. drug. 
and that in that instance I would call them a drug but when they're these things are used um, and, and another example so PTSD we're seeing studies coming out of the Veterans Administration using another drug called MDMA or ecstasy and that certainly can be used recreationally as a drug but it can also be used as a medicine in a very therapeutic context and they are having the trials that are coming out right now of the VA are absolutely mind-blowing mm -hmm. um, in their effects and, and Tara is going to share her experience here which is very very comparable uh, to, to what we're seeing so there is a there's you know at least 50 60 years now of I think brainwashing around these substances that they have no benefit they're purely for you know just people want to get high as a recreate you know as a recreational thing um, and they're they're definitely going to hurt you and we're seeing you know that these substances when again when they're used in the right setting and the right context and the right situation um, that they can be absolutely transformational for people. So I just wanted to put in that plug before we uh, before we keep going with your story. So, 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 so you decided that that this um, you were doing your research and you felt a calling that this might be a good a good path for you to take. Yes, and that that was really a key word. I felt a calling. It got stronger and stronger and stronger, and um, I that's something that that I found a lot of people that that go on ayahuasca journeys have in common is that they feel a calling it and I knew from the moment I I heard about it I knew that it was the right choice mm -hmm. there was never any doubt mm. that it was going to help me yes this, this was the way nice um, and so I did as much research as I could mm -hmm. um, because uh, people in my life were were scared and intimidated they had heard stories of you know people dying and, and all of that which mm -hmm. are um, usually actually not ayahuasca related right um, or people that will go and do you know drugs like cocaine or drink copious amounts of alcohol not take it seriously try and do ayahuasca recreationally which do not do ayahuasca recreationally you can die you need to have a watcher there mm -hmm. at least i would recommend having a shaman somebody who is experienced that can control the energy and that that knows what to expect right so that you can relax let go and and not worry about it absolutely and the reason that you could die is not from the ayahuasca itself mm -hmm. but you could say uh, you're lying on your back and you vomit and you mm -hmm. choke on your own vomit mm -hmm. so Right, yes. right, right. And I mean, I'll even tell you, if, if anyone is listening out there and they're kind of of the hardcore science persuasion and the uh, the reference to shamans turns you off, I'll tell you the, the MDMA experiments that are going on with the VA, typically they have two, you know, highly trained uh, psychologists there minding the person for the whole experience, one male and one female, um, and, you know, overwatching, who know, who've been prepped and know the experience, can help guide someone. Because truly, and Tara's going to tell us a little bit more, these are considered ordeal medicines. I mean, they're not like, they, they can have their good times, but they are not uh, necessarily just a pleasant experience. Exactly. I would say overall, it was, it was mostly not pleasant at mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. um it uh <laughs> especially drinking it it oh it's foul 
it does not taste good. <laughs> <laughs> and the more you, the, you know, with each ceremony, it gets worse because your body knows it, it's, it doesn't want you to get it down. But, um, so why would you do something, Tara, that, that, that is an ordeal? Like most people hear the word ordeal um, and they run screaming from it. Why, why would you do something uh, that, that is hard, that, that's not going to be a good experience? Because the only time I've ever had success in my life is when I, it has been something hard. Those are the best lessons to learn. Mm-hmm. And um, I already, I, I knew that, you know, traditional psychotherapy, it tries to agitate something, you know, from, from the out side in you know you're re- reliving your experience mm-hmm. uh, ayahuasca is said to be 30 years of psychotherapy in one night mm. um, and you are working from the inside out and I knew I had it in me I knew uh, you know every other uh, thing success that I've had in my life it's been you know stepping into my own power mm-hmm. and and uh, being empowered taking control of, of my judgments my life my situation um, and so why would this be any different yeah all grow on you know all growth growth is not a pleasant experience exactly you know yeah. um, we do it because um, you know of what comes on the other side of that of that growth Yes. Right. So what did you find? You found, so you went and had this experience. You used, uh, used the medicines. Yes. And, I did uh, uh, four separate ceremonies okay. over a period of two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, what I was, I was told and I knew to expect was that um, a lot of the work wouldn't necessarily be, you know, apparent right away. Mm-hmm. That in the coming months, weeks and months, that you would start making connections and have insights and just generally feel better mm-hmm. about things. Mm-hmm. But that it was, again, there was more work. You couldn't just go do the ayahuasca and I'm cured. There was work you had to do yourself. You had to figure out your own stuff. And so um, that's what I did. I did a, I processed things through writing, so okay. I did a lot of writing, okay. mm-hmm. um, and uh, I started to feel a connection to the earth and to humanity again, right away, okay. um, and uh, now everyone, anyone that does it, you're going to have a different experience, it's going to be personal to you, um, there's going to be some dark times because there are things that you personally have to work through, even if you think you've worked through it. You know, you may you may not have, and you, you get to relive that. Um, there was also an incredible amount. It's the feeling of of love and bliss, mm. um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask. I mean, people thinking, well, you know, uh, so you know, again, one of the common things you know, people are exploring these type of medicines for depression, anxiety, PTSD, a a lot of these, uh, you know, and then of course, kind of in a separate thing, uh, the spiritual journey and experiencing that. But, um, you know, in the short term, do you feel uh, that it had a measurable impact like on, on the PTSD that you were feeling, on your mood? You were saying this was something, the actual like, unfolding and integration and all of this took time but did you did you notice 
a, an immediate kind of impact for you after those two weeks? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I feel like even after the first ceremony, uh, the PTSD itself, the physical symptoms were just gone. Okay. Uh, there was no more depression. Okay. Uh, and there was no more anxiety. Okay. Either. Okay. Um, it it was it was just gone. And then, um, you know, as the, the weeks went by, if I started to feel that coming up, I was looking at it in a different way. Why am I feeling this? Mm. How can I move through this? Or how can I sit with this or process this? Mm -hmm. Instead of, oh, I'm anxious, let me, you know, pop a Valium. Right. Right? Right. And so um, I, I don't want to say, you know, I'm, I'm cured because life is, a, it's a journey. Sure. You know, but um, I feel like the reasons why I took ayahuasca have been sorted out. So that 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 it was a I don't know the right word, right? But a but a tool that helped you move past that really really difficult experience. Yes, it, it was the most most powerful tool and and medicine that that I've ever experienced. Nice, nice. So for I I mean I know we're please we're not prescribing anything, but uh, but for 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 you, if someone else were dealing with these issues, would is this something you would at least recommend that they look into and consider? Um, not necessarily. Okay. Um, there are some dietary changes that you need to make beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and so you need to be committed to that. That's for your own safety and for your experience as well. Um, You'll have a heightened experience if you stay away from things like cannabis or uh, alcohol mm -hmm. um, and certain foods as well. Yeah, please, um, please don't mix drugs together. Um, I also have to point out from a medical perspective that um, these, uh, especially like ayahuasca, but many of these substances and antidepressant drugs re absolutely don't mix together. And so I know, uh, I've heard at least, uh, people who are considering this, uh, they need to wean off their antidepressants, which can it can be a bit of a tricky situation because if they're yeah. truly deeply depressed, um, so it needs to be done very safely and in conjunction uh, with extra support and help. Uh, but you cannot take these substances while you're taking antidepressants because that can be a fatal mix. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, so yes, and, and again, I know we've said this, but please, this isn't something you can just go order off the internet and, you know, and I know technically you can, I know, I know it is possible <laughs> to do. Okay. So please don't go order this off the internet, uh, you know, brew up a nice strong cup yourself right, and do it. The it, wrong uh, thing to do. it, it really set and setting, um, you know, are critically important for all of these things. Like we said with the MDMA trials, it's they're very they're su it's not even though you can buy it off the street, that's not what we're talking about. It's done in a very safe setting with support. So if you find yourself in that very difficult place, which uh, by all accounts absolutely happens to people, they can you know get stuck in a little dark and and tough corner, and having someone there to rescue you and help you. Uh, work through it is is critical because um, you know you can have a bad trip so to speak uh, yeah yeah, yeah. and and uh, you know your question was would I would I advise it well, yeah uh, I wouldn't advise it for everyone okay. um, we mm -hmm. all have baggage that maybe we're not quite ready to deal with yet mm -hmm. and this medicine will make you deal with it mm. so you need to be in a place where you are really ready for that change mm -hmm. and you're ready to do the work mm -hmm. and now that the listeners have heard 
of ayahuasca. What will happen um, to some of you? You'll just that'll be it. You're not you're not interested. You haven't been called, and and that's okay. Uh, others, you you'll be interested, and you'll start to research it, and you will feel a calling, and that's how you can know that it's right for you. Um, you will feel a call, a pull. Um, and everything will will kind of line up for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't feel this is something you have to do just in case. I mean, there are, you know, we always say there are many ways up the mountain. So there are many ways to reach the place uh, that you want or need to go to. Um, and not everyone should go down the same path. But certainly uh, for people dealing with some of these issues, uh, this is one path that people can take. And I mm -hmm. thank you for, you know, talking about your experiences with it. So ah, you're welcome. Is this, now, yeah, ayahuasca yeah. is like the mother of okay. psychedelics. Mm -hmm. right? uh, there are some uh, like psilocybin mushrooms have also been found to be beneficial. Mm -hmm. uh, people are microdosing with them mm. and finding that uh, um, I, I believe there's been some studies done on the um, building blocks for for um, endorphins and serotonin mm -hmm. that it, it leaves after after your experience mm -hmm. um, and so that can be helpful in mood regulation as well uh, but again you might want to talk to a naturopathic doctor about that a lot of them are becoming well they're already progressive right. but a lot of them are, are quite interested in in the science behind you know how psychedelics can help us and help our mental health so they'll well, be able to advise you on a Sure. I mean, for, you know, I, I know this was a subject that I never even thought I would talk about or think about, or it was just something that those things are bad. And, but, you know, patients and, and the science have brought me around to saying, Hey, again, these aren't drugs, they're medicines, especially when they're used correctly for people. And a lot of these issues like PTSD, like chronic anxiety, like chronic depression, um, you know, there's very poor treatments for them. And as a doctor, my goal, my purpose is to help people heal and grow. And I would be remiss if I didn't at least investigate, motorcycle going by, investigate these substances. And again, like you said, they're, they're probably not right for everyone. I do have to tell everybody out there too that all of these substances as of 2016 are currently illegal for the most part. Now there are a few little loopholes. It's up to Tara if she wants to talk about that a little bit, but Bottom-based religion. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so there are a couple of religions. Some of, um, and I don't, I don't have the details, but I know there's a, a Native American church that works with peyote, and because of the, uh, you know, the separation of church and state, their their rituals and their ceremonies are actually protected. Yes. Um, and and then, that's the route I went. Okay. So that, is, and then I know, um, for example, there's a Brazilian church, and I, I may be butchering the name, but I think it's the Church of Santa Daime, which uses ayahuasca in their rituals as well. And if I remember correctly, uh, they have a branch in Oregon, I believe, as well. I'm not, don't, please, people don't quote me on that, but... Um, uh, and then thankfully the research that's being done at John Hopkins and by the Veterans Administration means that um, hopefully sometime soon, at the very least, uh, these substances will enter um, the progressive, progressive medicine and become available to people um, for, for helping a lot of these conditions, right? 
Hopefully. I hope. Well, please, you know, we have we have problems and um, we need all the tools and the most effective tools. And the reality is that antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds and antipsychotics, they they have their place. But what we've seen over, you know, the past 30 plus years is they just don't work very well. I want, I want to call you on that. They have sure. their place. Yes. What place do they have? Sure. Well, I would say so. You know, I've seen people so paralyzed by anxiety and panic attacks that they're non-functional. And so an anti-anxiety med can basically restore them to a degree of functionality okay. again. Okay. And so it isn't a cure. Right. right. Okay. But it's a symptomatic management of their condition. I've seen people, you know, so depressed, they, they're on the verge of suicide. And so anything that you can do to pull them out of that place, even temporarily, is still helpful. Yes, right? that is true. Okay. So there's an awful, it's interesting. I mean, this sort of jives with what you're saying, but there is an, um, people may or may not have heard, there's something called ketamine, which is an, uh, it, it is... Special K for all you street <laughs> thugs out there. Um, <laughs> it is uh, originally uh, an anesthetic used in veterinary medicine, um, and uh, uh, some of the off-label use, and we're starting to see it percolating out there. It's an incredible fast antidepressant. Uh, whereas most of the antidepressants like Prozac and Paxil and all of the others typically take weeks to have a noticeable effect on someone. Um, ketamine has been shown like within an hour to have tremendous benefits. And so you can pull, I'm, again, I do not do this. This has to be done under special medical supervision, typically done in a hospital or, or that kind of setting. But you can take someone who is suicidal and you know administer this treatment and they're no longer suicidal at least for a while which is in you know again they have their place but what we're seeing is people are put on anti-anxiety meds most of them are actually addictive so that's a concern mm -hmm. people are put on antidepressant meds not to just stabilize them so that then they can do the work and the other pieces um again and this would be what you were saying about your story um, don't think that, that things like ayahuasca or these MDMA treatments are a magic bullet that are going to take care of all of your problems for you and then you're done. Right. It's, you know, a, a catalyst as far as I've, I've heard it described to move you forward and allow you to do more work. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is so. all about the work. Yeah. Right, right. Unfortunately, sorry, folks, no free, no free <laughs> but, rides, you know, it, right? It put me in the state of mind to be able to do the work, to want to do the work, to right. want to live right. to do the work. Right, right. Yeah. And so what's happened to you since then, Tara? Oh, well, after my second ceremony, mm -hmm. I got a very powerful message that I was supposed to attend the Ancestral Health Symposium this year. Uh -huh. And so I immediately went and I bought a ticket got booked my plane tickets everything like the day after my second ceremony mm -hmm. um and uh then i've been oh geez what have i been doing i've been traveling around and and spending time with my kids and um just on top of it good my priorities are completely different okay um i I, I still, I've, I've figured out what my mission in life is, what it is that I do, mm -hmm. and I help other people through my experiences. Absolutely. I'm not afraid to be open about all of the trauma and the stuff that I've experienced. Um, 
and I mean, I've been doing it, I've been helping people for years, but I'm just really owning it now. So um, I am, you know, the series on my blog about survival for the real world. And um, I'm gonna be uh, rewriting my book, uh, The Hidden Plague, um, as a, a general a book on general autoimmunity mm-hmm. and those conditions that we talked about earlier that may or may not be you know autoimmune but there's an autoimmune component in there and mm-hmm. you know this protocol will help you regardless right so yeah i'm, nice. I'm doing that and nice I'm, so i heard you just signed a contract for this new book is that true yes it is exciting times exciting times so when can the listeners eagerly expect your new book. I know you haven't even penned a single word yet, but that uh, is right. Well, um, I'm going to be rewriting a lot of okay. my original work because uh-huh. it, it transfers over. So that's actually more time consuming than just sitting down and writing. Right, right. Uh, so I think in about a year. Okay. Yeah. Exciting times. So, and I know you're coming out a little bit in, in terms of being more active uh, on the internet again. So Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm using it differently now. Um, before, I just felt such a, a sense of disconnect and all I had were, you know, pixels on the screen for humans human connection and now uh, I, I just feel connected on an energetic level um, and so the internet has become a tool instead of a crutch or my only social interaction right yeah right right so I'm 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 back on I'm blogging I'm uh, I'm even on Facebook and occasionally I'll post a status uh, and, <laughs> and uh, pictures of cats although I'm trying not to do that because yeah. it just is yeah yeah <laughs> Well, you know, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because social media is awesome. It allows the spread of information. It allows people to connect with other like-minded people um, in ways that they... So again, like your, your people in Pakistan who've connected with you, before the internet, there was zero chance they would have ever connected to you or your message or anything you said. So it's it's awesome that we can form these electronic tribes with one another. Having said that, you know, coming to this event, one of the reasons I come to the Ancestral Health Symposium, yes, um, the information here is wonderful and there's a ton to learn. There's super smart people here. Yes, I'm, you know, honored that uh, they consider me one of those people and I can give a presentation as well. Um, But the biggest piece is to sit down and, and have these connections with people. And, you know, talking with them over the internet is one thing, and it's awesome. But actually uh, sitting face-to-face with people and having conversations is, it is you know, it's... We need, a, we need it. it. We need that connection. Yeah. Um, we are animals. Yes. We are animals, and uh, we need hugs. Yes. We need really long hugs. We need uh, to see the micro expressions on people's faces. You know, I, emojis don't cut it. Right. You know? Yep. <sighs> yep. There was an interesting, in one of the talks this morning, and I'm trying to remember who gave it, they were talking about that deep pressure, so pressure on your body, um, turns down your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight nervous system, and it turns on your parasympathetic. And so that's why, like, having heavy blankets over you is very calming, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and hugs, uh, you know, deep, strong hugs are so, uh, there's more than one reason, but they're so calming and they turn down our nervous system. And I guess to kind of come back around in this age of, of hyper stimulation and everything, we need 
that just having sitting down and us having this conversation is just it's connection on a human level and it's it's just such a pleasant experience oh thank you i've enjoyed yeah. it as well good yeah, good I'm having a great time. Uh, uh, absolutely <laughs> um so to bring back a point on hs uh, you are winging your way to austria tell us a little bit about that um, okay so doctors around the world are realizing that what they're doing is not working right and yes. they are finally putting out an international survey of uh patients from all over the all over the world uh-huh. um and so i'm taking part in the survey and then i've been invited to vienna uh to kind of take part in the debrief like what is going to be the next step mm -hmm. you know we have now we have the results mm -hmm. and what can we do to help people mm -hmm. so i'm really honored to have been considered for that and uh and i'm really excited because um they 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 seem to be quite open to the dietary changes mm -hmm. uh that that are required and that that you know these people are, are quite invested in, in giving their, their patients, you know, some something that works, right. something that they can do to help their pain. Well, my experience has been that doctors trained other than in the United States and maybe Britain kind of falls in that category and there, there may be some other countries, but, but by and large doctors, MDs from other countries, France and Germany and Europe and South America and other parts of the world. And maybe it's because there's remnants of kind of more traditional therapies still present in their societies. They seem to be much more open to considering uh, things or may, maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing here, maybe in some of the countries there's less money or access to some of the highest tech stuff so maybe they're more open to well, other... I have some experience with the German medical uh -huh. system uh -huh. uh, I lived in Germany for almost 10 years uh -huh. and um, I that was when I was feeling depressed and okay. I was in this miserable situation uh -huh. and I went to the doctor and I wanted an antidepressant uh -huh. because you know I'm Canadian and North American that's what you do you yep. take an antidepressant right? right and the doctor said I'm not giving you that he said that is a last resort you are way too high functioning you made it to the office on time right here's what I'm gonna prescribe instead two weeks off of work at full pay <laughs> 10 therapeutic massages uh -huh. and a prescription for, get this, lavender. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Sadly, I wish I could. Uh, the lavender, yes, I could do that. But the two week, I could ask someone for two weeks to take two weeks off. But unfortunately, um, yeah, no, that's beautiful. Much more uh, reasonable than just plopping someone onto an antidepressant. So yeah, the, the good news is I find that the rest of the world is more open uh, to many of these therapies than the U.S. and Canada and kind of North America and some yeah. of the, 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 they are. I got invited to speak at the American Academy of Dermatology in Washington, D.C. Wow. this past March. Uh -huh. um, I didn't end up going. I had a really bad feeling about it. Okay. And I'm glad I didn't go, but I did record a video. Uh -huh. And uh, the reason that I was uh, invited was the doctor, uh, he's a Canadian doctor with a practice in New Hampshire, uh, Dr. Bill Danby. Mm -hmm. And he is the president of the HS Foundation in America mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he read my book and he said this girl's on to something nice. and he's done more research and he really he really believes he's managed to get uh, quite a few patients into remission 
Fantastic. using using dietary uh, changes, uh, the removal of dairy first and foremost. Hmm. Um, and so he he managed to get me invited. I needed to be vetted. It was totally like prejudiced. They didn't want me there. Mm -hmm. um, and so. I got to see the the recap afterwards, when, mm -hmm. uh, and um, mm -hmm. what their their uh, solutions and their way forward were going to be. And the remarks on the video were very well presented, good information, um, you know, yada yada yada. Uh, our our way forward is we are going to explore more drugs and surgery options. Yes. That was that. Yes. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, you know, what we're finding is change is happening, and that's a good thing. But most of the change that, that you and I and people who are listening to this are looking for is happening from the bottom up and not from the top down. Like, it would be lovely to see the, the big, you know, the, the movers and the shakers and the people make the decisions at high levels embrace a lot of the things that we're talking about and make changes. The reality is we're seeing most of it happen because individual people like you and I and people listening to this and people searching the internet are demanding that it happen and the you know the market and the system is slowly responding to that demand. Yes. You know. But we soldier on, we put good information out there and let people know and I do believe at a certain point we can hit a critical mass so we'll hit Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point where things really change. Um, and, and I am an optimist at heart. I do think, um, yes, there are many problems. There are many bad situations in the world today. There, unfortunately, probably will continue to be very bad situations. But I do believe um, that we have the potential to, as individuals and as the world, to really make things better. I agree. I really do. So. <laughs> All right. Any big plans for the future? I know um, you're kind of going with the flow, but anything big you've got planned for the next little while? Yeah, I'm going to take like a month and go to Hawaii. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm calling it a sabbatical. Okay. I'm going to do a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be an incredibly restorative vacation. Um, I, yeah, I'm just letting life come you know there there is no purpose to life there's nothing to do be or become i'm here mm -hmm. that's enough mm -hmm. it's awesome and if i can help people and, and touch people along the way that's 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 it i think that's a huge personally i think that's a huge thing i do believe people need purpose for their lives um i do believe uh, that we each can contribute in our own small way you know i don't think i'm going to cure all cancer but i know that people who come to me, my goal is to try and help them to the very best of my abilities. And I, I think, um, I think it's a bit of an antidote for the, uh, you know, for all the great things that America has done. And it's true, uh, but the very individualistic, very selfish, what's in it for me, yeah. um, you know, the, the, and I think that is a big, uh, a, a big piece of the anxiety and depression for many people and I think connecting again it's not as easy as popping a pill but finding your place and your purpose and you know that sense of connection and um, you know contributing in a positive way to the world no matter what that looks like for you I think is probably the single biggest antidote uh, 
to a lot of the issues that we have going on. And that's actually exactly what my third book is going to be about. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, if folks have any questions about HS or about PTSD or any of these others, would you would you like them to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Reach out to me on my blog at primalgirl.com. Um, or you can email me directly, Tara at primalgirl.com. Okay. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you have or know someone with HS, I highly recommend have them go check out her blog again. Again, just it is primalgirl.com. Simple, easy. You can find it out there. A lot of information for people. If you're so moved, please buy the book. A um, lot of great stuff there. And be on the lookout for the next book about a year from now, huh? Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. In the meantime, they can find you on your blog and maybe sometimes on Facebook as well. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> on. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. Do you have a? a should they seek you out in some way? Um, well, I do have a Primal Girl page. Okay. Um, I have quite a few people that that friend me on my personal uh, Facebook page, and I and I usually allow it. If you send me send me a message and just say, "Hey, I want to connect," right? You know, okay. and uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to help in any way I can. Awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Is there any last words do you want to leave that you want to leave people with? Oh, just blessings and love and be in the present moment. And <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd say, you know, find your purpose. Live, an, live an intentional life, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, folks. Well, until next time, take care. <laughs>